Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Welcome everybody to the Bronx Sports Jedi with a network with your weekly MMA breakdowns with me, Austin, and Chef Dan. How you doing tonight, Chef Dan? Salute to you, Austin. Salute to the chat. Salute to everyone in the world watching, joining us everywhere you are. It was an excellent, excellent, excellent weekend of fights, and I feel like we got more to come, man. It, it like there was a lot of it, it was great fights leading into this one, and sometimes you don't even. Like, you don't even question the placement on the card, really. Don't question where guys are placed because it, it works out for the best. Dana White knows what he's doing. That's all I'll say leading into tonight's show. Gotcha. And before we get kick off, I just want to say you can listen to us on podcast platforms, Anchor FM, Spotify, Podbean, Podbean excuse me, Reason FM, Buzzsprout.com. So if you want to listen to us while working or driving, you can listen to us there as well. And with that being said, um, a lot happened last weekend. You know, there was a big UFC fan, Madison Square Garden, but also there was a bo- premier boxing with Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant. And unfortunately, I was so focused on the UFC that I didn't really pay attention to Canelo and Caleb Plant. But I know Canelo Alvarez got a TKO victory in the, I believe, the 11th round, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was in the 11th round in impressive fashion. I, I didn't get to watch the fight myself, but... I did get to see the KO, and it looked like Canelo was in complete control when he got it. It wasn't some, you know, so where something where you know they were exchanging. It seemed like Canelo was controlling the fight through and through, based on the way the knockout uh, played itself. And so he chose his uh, he chose his spots and got to it. Right, and um, and speaking of that fight, uh, my dad will be doing this quick short video probably, to, probably like next tomorrow about that fight. So he'll probably he'll probably break it down as well. So 
that's do want to mention that. And congratulations to Canelo Alvarez for making history. He, became, he becomes the first undisputed super middleweight champion in boxing, if I'm mistaken. I believe he's the first one ever. I believe so. He um, he he's he's currently making history, and he has a lot more to go. So we we'll continue to watch Canelo. Definitely, and yeah, definitely, he's he's making claim. Well, he's 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 on a journey to become arguably the greatest Mexican boxer ever. We should see if he continues on that path. But um, yeah, as he mentioned, the Madison Square Gardens that, on that same day, there was a major UFC event going on. UFC two sixty eight. With the rematch between Kobe Covington and Kamara Usman, now this entire card was pretty good to say everything. I I watched from like the early, from like um, from like the the sec the second to last early prelim fight all the way to the whole card. It was it was it was an excellent card. I mean, a lot of breakout performances, a lot of great back to forth fights, and and everything like that. And should we start with the main event, or you want to start go the way up? Uh, we can start from the first fight, uh, all the way up. Okay. First fight of the prelims, correct? No, uh, first fight of the main card. Okay. Oh, oh, whew. Oh my gosh, you mentioned that. Justin Gaethje and Michael freaking Chandler. Little 15-minute war in Mass Square Garden. I mean, what a, this fight, man. Gaethje wins this fight 28-28 in two judges' scorecards and 30-27 on one. And, man, this fight had both guys are warriors. They te- their, their chins were tested. Their heart were, chest- were tested. Everything was tested. These guys rocked each other. Both guys were bleeding. Chandler in the third round was got a takedown with Justin Gaethje. This crazy reversal and got top position. I mean, this fight... There were late kicks involved. Chandler do early, but Gaethje does his pan late kicks. I mean, this this was this was fight of the year in my opinion. And and UFC. I know that we still got some fights left. Maybe someone can take it, but as of right now, as we're recording this video, as we're as this video is live, I think this was fight of the year, just me personally. But this fight was excellent. I mean, what a what a great what a phenomenal fight from Gaethje and Chandler, which you kind of knew when this fight was made, you just knew this fight had to, this was going to deliver, because it's Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler, two of the most exciting guys in all of MMA, forget just UFC or lightweight division, all of MMA, and these and they delivered, I mean, and the crazy thing was, Eddie Alvarez was in the crowd, so his friend, his friend Frank Diego fought later on, and Eddie Alvarez is a rival of Chandler and Justin Gaethje, and Eddie Ch- Gaethje also had a great fight when they fought as well, so I thought that was kind of cool. But man, I mean, what a spectacular fight! I mean, wow, and the crowd was—I mean, it, I mean, the, if the crowd was really into this fight, they should be because it was excellent. I mean, what are your thoughts on this fight, Dan? Um, just giving a precursor, like there were so many. Uh, give me one moment. I gotta check to see. The first three fights of the preliminaries were uh, decisions. After that, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, six fights after uh, proceeding to the Michael, uh, proceeding the Michael Chandler versus J- Justin Gaethje fight. It was uh, six fights that had KOs in them, so the crowd was pretty much warmed up. And watch, like before the before the fight came on, looking at the card, you know you. you you saw this as one of the first fights of the card, and you go, 
why was this the first fight of the card? If anything, this should have been a coat. You know, this should have been like maybe right under the uh, Rose versus um, Rose versus Rose versus Wei Lee fight. But Dana White knew exactly what he was doing because it kind of just stepped up the competition for every fight afterwards. You just had to, you had to bring it. And you knew the other fighter was going to bring it based on this fight alone. This was fight of the night, possibly fight of the year. I Like right now in the moment, because even like to this day, the, the event happened Saturday. We're recapping it Thursday. And I'm still like in awe of what happened in that in those 15 minutes. It's. Like, it's mind-numbing, it's crazy, it's shocking. You have to see it. You have to see it. Justin Gagey, at the end of the fight, he gave the perfect quote. This fight was not supposed to happen in this era. This was supposed to happen in a coliseum where one of these guys was supposed to die. Because that's how they approached it. I was watching the first round with my girlfriend and my girlfriend like noted by the two minute and 30 second mark. She asked, will they have anything left for the second and third round? And I looked at her and said, it's Gagey versus Chandler. They're going to have this and more for the second and third round. And they delivered on that promise completely. Oh my gosh. This wasn't about technique at all, ladies and gentlemen. This was a pure blood sport. This is pure blood sport. If like like I just like if you could like find a way to get your eyes onto this matchup because you know, you can watch technique and things of that nature is beautiful. We had we had fights like those on this card where there was beautiful technique being shown. Like we had those things. But if you want violence, just pure violence, unadulterated violence, this is what this fight was. It, it, like, if you wanted two guys who, like, particularly didn't care for defense and just wanted to hurt the other guy, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, you, you, you were introduced to what this was. Like, this was, oh, man, oh, just beautiful. Fight of the year contender, absolutely. I would have to remember, we would have to, you know, later on down the year, we're, we're going to do a video where we're, we're going to have to remember other fights that are possibly contenders for fight of the year and put them up against this. But so far, man, blowing this out the water. There's still some time left. There's still a couple of events happening. We still have another event coming out this weekend that... Is going to be very interesting, but I like I couldn't describe the fight any more than just a pure blood sport and violence and two people trying to hurt each other physically. That's it with their fists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, you, you put it perfectly. It was unadulterated violence. That's what this fight was—a violent fight, just violence and guys using their fists and then kicks to hurt each other i mean it it it's this this fight exceeds the hype it's it's one of those few times where a fight exceeds the hype and this did it 
This was awesome. This was a great fight. They both got their bonuses, rightfully so. And it was just, I mean, imagine being, that, that was your first UFC paper you saw, and you saw that. I mean, that if, you in. Yeah, if that was your first fight, and, I mean, I just, because I don't want to take away from Justin Gagey, I don't want to say there was no technique involved in this fight, because there was in the sense of uh, Michael Chandler tried, but Justin Gagey was just better with the leg kicks and, it wasn't really just where to place the leg kicks. It was more so the timing. He knew the timing and the just right amount of volume because he was used to the leg kicks. And so that slowed down Michael Chandler throughout the rounds. And that was able to secure Justin Gagey the victory throughout the second and third round. But all in all, it like it slowed down Michael's, you know, speed and movement a little bit. But it didn't slow down his volume. He was still throwing and trying to put Justin Gagey down. Gagey did put uh, Chandler down uh, in the first round, but uh, Chandler got back up and got right back to it. But Chandler was really the first one to bloody uh, Gagey, I believe. And he, yeah, it, he was landing a lot of clean shots early on in the first round. Yeah, I thought personally Chandler won that first round because of... um. You know, he had early on. He had more shots. He rocked Gaethje first. Gaethje was rocked several times in that first round, even towards the end. But yeah, but but in the end, Gaethje, y'all thought won the fight despite you know him losing the first round. And they both reach. I mean, both. Yeah, I mean, what I, like I said, their their heart, their toughness, their their chin, you know, their toughness, all that was was on display Saturday night, and it was awesome. And it was a, you know, if you. You love violence and combat sports. You can appreciate this fight, cause I, cause I did, and everyone watching it, I'm pretty sure did. I know you did, Dan. I most definitely enjoyed this fight and appreciated this fight. And this fight, like, if anything, I think sometime down, down in the, sometime down in the future, we may see this fight go in the Hall of Fame. As it should be. It, it, should it, be it, it, I mean, right now we're just, you know. Right now, we may, you know, right now we just have to, you know, soak in what it was for that night. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know how else to say it, man. It, it's kind of like going to an epic party and then you go, that was the greatest party I've ever been to. And you went with a whole bunch of friends and one of your friends get tell you like, wait, slow down, calm down. We just, you know. Let the night soak over, but after, you know, we, we're going to talk about this in the morning and we'll, you know, defer and see, you know, how this stacks up to other nights. But so far, this fight is looking like a contender to go into the Hall of Fame. And so with that being said, I want to go right into the next fight, uh, Shane Burgos versus Billy Quarantillo, because this fight, it was, I, I, I want to, like, just breaking down this fight. Both fighters did amazing, and you can tell the effect that the Chandler versus Gagey fight had on this fight because both fighters came in just, you know, you can tell, like, they both really, I don't know, I, I, oh, man, I don't want to take away from the preparation and the fight camp that the fighters have coming into, uh, uh, you know, coming into fight night, but these fighters did have the ability, you know, watching the fight preceding them. If it's a great fight, you kind of want to come in there and try and, you know, blow that fight out of the water. And so both fighters came in wanting to do their best. 
Oh, Austin, I can't hear you. Sorry, uh, sorry about that. Okay, um, well, well, I was trying. I mean myself there, but uh, what I was saying is, um, you're right. Both guys can't. Both guys can prepare. This fight was actually not a bad fight. It was a really entertaining back and forth fight. And they, I think Rogan and Cormier mentioned how the Gaethje and Chinner fight kind of like took the some took some of the air out of the uh, crowd during this fight because I I don't think it it. Like, yeah, all right. I can agree that it took the air out of the crowd, but it did something else for the crowd. And it was something I wanted to mention as well. Uh, aside from the performance that both fighters put on, that Gaethje and Chandler fight, I think it took so much of, like, all that hyperactive energy that a UFC crowd has. Because you sometimes need a bloodbath to kind of satiate that 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 thirst that the uh, that the crowd has, they're they're, they're kind of like you know, I don't know. They're watching the crowd, they're kind of wild animals watching the fights because they would not watch a technique filled grappling matchup. They'd rather watch two guys go right there in the octagon, stand in the middle of the octagon, slug it out, and have no defense, right? Things of that nature. But what it also did for them was it calmed them down. So now they really got to watch. Shane Burgos versus Billy Quarantillo. And you saw like the struggles that Shane Burgos had in the beginning because of the, the activity that Billy Quarantillo was providing in the first round. And it was a lot. And even uh, midway, uh, you know, from the start into the midway of the second round, he was still providing that energy. He was still providing that activity. But as uh, Shane Burgos started to figure out the rhythm and as Billy Quarantillo started to slow down and started to repeat certain uh, certain combinations. Shane Burgo started to break him down. You saw it, like, I think it was evident really in the body shots that he was providing. And it came to a point where I think he did a disservice to himself in the third round where he went away from the body shots late in the third round to kind of go for headhunting to get the finish. But I felt like if he was more consistent with the body shots, mix it in with the headshots, like you had a good thing going with the high and low. You keep it going, it gets you, It if it got you to him weakening, it can get you to the KO. You don't have to headhunt. What, what were your thoughts on that fight? No, you're right, because Burgos early on struggled. It looked like Quarantino was more active, and because he was more active, Burgos, you know, laying some good shots, but Quarantino kept coming back, coming back. But then the second round, he made the adjustment, and then um, then that's when you had um, Burgos laying more body shots, and then which slowed down Quarantino, and then be more, and he was more active, Burgos. And then you know, third round, he did similar until the end of the third round. They went headhunting, which was you know mistake, so you know, mistake. All he wanted to fight in the round, but still, should get going with the body shots because maybe if he kept going high, low, high, low. He may have landed a good shot on the chin, and maybe he could have done some damage, but that wasn't the case. But I, I, well, either way, he did. He, he won the fights. He did hurt Rock Quarantino a little bit. You know, I believe in the dirt round, if I'm mistaken. And you know, this was a big victory for Shane Burgos because I mentioned it last week that Shane Burgos was might be was the was the first New York City-born um, fighter on on the main card of Madison Square Garden pay, uh, pay-per-view. And he's from the Bronx, and yet, um, yeah, and you know, I, you know, I kind of was upset that they didn't mention the fact he's from the Bronx. I, I wish they should have, because I think the crowd could have really gone to that fight, being a new, local New Yorker fight on this card, you know, 
they mentioned he's from Monroe, which is in like upstate. I forget what part of upstate, but still, um, still, but uh, still, uh, anyway, Burgos was able to get the victory. Big victory is hometown. You know, he was coming off the loss that's in Barboza, so it's not nice bounce back victory for him. He's you know in top. He's still in the ranks. He's still top fifteen of a pretty, uh, pretty good featherweight division, which ha- which has a lot of good great fighters on this car on on the division. Excuse me. And like I said, great victory. And and I can't wait, and I like watching Shane Burgos, and I can't wait to see him fight again. Most definitely. So with that being said, uh, let let's move on to the next fight. It was uh, Marlon Cheeto Vera versus Frankie Edgar, and uh, oof, this fight ended viciously. This, I'm Austin, take it away. Frankie Edgar was doing very well in the fight. In his fights, the first two rounds, he you know. He, he was able to mix his, you know, striking with rap, grappling. And once he took him down, he basically controlled the fights. It's what we said last week, that Frankie Edgar could take, could take down um, Gio Vero, keep it down. He probably was going to win the fight, and he was on his way to win the fight. He took him down, had good ground control. They will keep um, Vera down, work, work, you know, do, you know, go for some ground and pound. But but uh, Gio Vero was able to, I believe, kill up eventually in the third round, if I'm mistaken. And, and then... And you know she'll land some strikes, and then unfortunately, and, and then there's the front kick, the Anthony Silva as front kick landed on cheat on Frankie Yaga that basically put him out, and then and then basically it was over from there, which you know it's it's which is just sad because Frankie Yaga is one of all the same favorite fighters, and that, and he was really like Frankie was on his way to win the fights, and it and you know like a couple minutes away from winning, but Frank but she had that front that you know that front. Uh, a front kick, and it was just, and he was done. It was, you know, very sad because, you know, especially you're a Frankie Edgar fan because he looked like he was so close to winning, like, like this close, and then it was just taken away from you. It, I it's mean, like, I want to ask you a question though. Do you really think he was uh, that close to winning? Well, I thought Frankie Edgar was doing a good job, you know, in terms of grappling, taking it down, and keeping him down. I thought maybe. He was, you know, I thought, I thought from what, from what I remember, it's like Frankie was winning the fight. Unless my memory is mis, is misjudged. Uh, oh man, see, I have a different perspective of the fight. The way I think is, um, it Frankie was, ah oh, man, I, I want to agree but disagree on certain contexts. Okay. All right. Cheeto was active during the fight. He was finding his spots. He just wasn't finding them the way uh, Frankie was. And also when they did get into uh, scrambling situations, it seemed like just Frankie got the better of him here and there. Uh, Cheeto did get the better of him at, at some points and was able to take control, but Frankie was able to do more when he got his advantages in the scrambles. Um, in the stand-up game, though, it seemed like Frankie was going for points. Uh, I see. Touch and go, touch and go, basically. Exactly. And if you're doing touch and go, it 
especially from the beginning of the fight. If you're doing touch and go, it tells me a couple of things. Number one, it tells me you have no confidence in your power. Number two, you're telling me that you need this fight to go the full 15 minutes. A lot can happen in 15 minutes. Oh, yeah, it can. And so, like, I, like as much as I want to, and, you know, I did say last week it felt like, you know, Frankie had a chance, but, like, watching the fight, I was dead wrong on that one. Cheeto just, he hit. He, he, he picked and chose, and when he got his moment, he got the front kick in, and it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, it was. It was an impressive knockout, impressive knockout for um, Gio Vera, because, you know, like I said, you don't see any front kick knockouts. I mentioned Anderson Silva, because that's the first guy we all think of with front kick knockouts. We did, we did a Vitor Belfort 10 years ago, but... But yeah, definitely was an impressive knockout. He got a bonus also for that knockout, which he, as he deserved. And um, but sit, but yeah, but as a Frankie fan, it was sad to see, especially him getting knocked out like that. Considering you know Frankie Edgar had one of the best chins in all of MMA historically, yeah, he had one of the best chins ever. And so he get knocked out like that after the Sanigan knee from from February from yeah from February earlier in the year. It's just like oof. And, and then also, I, I did mention that Frankie does have a lot of ring time. He, he's at seven hours at least of octagon time in the U, in the UFC. So I so I was wondering. I mentioned he might have more wear and tear than Chio Vera. So maybe that might come back and you know bite him, which it looks like it did. It looks like it's starting to in the in his later ages. As far as like, it isn't just the uh, ring time. It's a combination of the amount of ring time. The amount of damage taken, certain uh, knockouts that he's taken, especially like now in back to back, back to back within a calendar year, it's kind of you know like, I think maybe it's time. I'll say that too because I think Frankie Edgar just turned forty like a couple weeks ago. I think so. Let me, I let me check. And if your power isn't aging gracefully to a point where, you know, you can stay in the game, I don't think, you know, I don't think it makes sense. Yes, he did turn 40 in last month, October 16th. So, yeah, he's four years old now. In a, in a lighter weight class, which you all know historically, lighter weight classes don't age well. You're older fire in a lighter, lighter weight class versus, you know, heavier, like heavyweight, lightweight, et cetera. But, yeah. I mean, if he still has to drive, I would want him to move up in weight class. That's the only thing. I would too. I know people say he should have been away his whole career, but but he did well. Waltz, I mean, not Waltz weight, lightweight. You know, with the champion over there in featherweight, he was pretty good. He fought for the title twice at featherweights and was always a contender, always a top five guy over there. I mean, I, I mean, I know he's got some victories in um in um. And Bantamweight, but still, I think if he's going to continue to fight, I think Featherweight might be a better option for him at this stage than Bantamweight. I think you're right about that, Dan. Most definitely. So, with that being said, I mean, I think this is a, a cap off of this fight right there. We can move on right into the co-main event. 
for the UFC Women's Strawweight Championship. In the red, I mean in the blue, the challenger, Zhang Wei Li. And in the red, the champion, Thug Rose Namajunas. And this fight ended in a split decision. This was a controversial fight. I I mean, Austin, you want me to break down the controversy first, or do you want yeah. to tell me your break? All right. This was a controversial fight because what people are saying is what they can give is they can give Rose the fourth and the fifth round. Mm-hmm. But the first three rounds... We don't know if Zhang Wei Li won those or not. Right. Like, people are saying they're giving Zhang Wei Li the first and the second. Maybe, what, no, maybe the first and the third. Maybe the second is up for debate. I think the second, to me, the second one's up for debate. I think to me. Because I'm about to say the second one was the, was the one I was like, kind of like iffy. Because if I remember correctly, I believe, you know, Jang, you know, Wei Li won round one, obviously, and even round three. Yeah, but I believe the, uh, um, wait, was it the second where, uh, where Rose, with no, uh, Zhang, Zhang, uh, Wei Li went for the, uh, takedown and, and Rose flipped it? I think that was the second round. I think that was it. I believe so. Okay. All right. So. What the uh what the consensus is is that the second round that's up for debate is that if you uh you know even if you like some people feel like even if you you know add in the fact that Rose flipped the takedown and was able to get you know some you know advantages this and things of that nature that uh they feel like Zhang Wei Li won that round and so it's three rounds to two and Wei Li should have won the title back. Right, and yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely, it was very close this fight. Like I said, four and five were definitely Rose's round, especially the fifth round, and also the first round was definitely Wei Li's round in the third round, from from what I remember. But um, the second round is a close one. I'm looking at um, yeah, it seems, yeah, it seems like I'm looking at Jen's scorecards. You know, on a, a website and made decisions, and um, see like two to three, ju- yeah, two to three judges gave the second round to um. Rose and that, and that um you know well one judge that had a split for, had it for Whaley gave the second round to Whaley. And one judge gave Rose four to one, which I thought was which is silly, but that's that's something I do want to bring up later on. But um yeah. Oh no, bring it up right now then. No, we're at no, we're discussing the fight right now. No no no, no. it's it's as do this fight and a couple other fights on this card. That's why I, that's why I was mentioning it. Oh okay. Yeah, but um, no, but yeah, I don't, I don't think Rose won four rounds to one. That's ridiculous. But um, yeah, I, I personally thought Rose won the fight. Me personally, I thought Rose won the second round because I thought it was rounds two, to, round two, four, and five. Rose won one, three, way later on. I think Rose was able to. Um, I think you know, I think Rose was able to take round two, and then also was able to just and they would win rounds, you know, four and five. 
Especially considering she was able to take down Wei Lee and, you know, grappling, considering Wei Lee was working on grappling with Hermes Cejudo in this camp for his fights. And it was very, like, technical. It was very technical, I think, to say at least, this fight. It wasn't action pack. It wasn't like, you know, the obviously Gagey Chandler or, you know, Quintino and uh, Borgos or even the main event with Covington Usman. But it was, you know, very strategic, very, you know, smartly fought fight from both fighters, particularly, especially Rose. And Rose now is once again wins a uh, Tao um, a championship rematch in New York. If you remember, she beat Yolanda in Brooklyn, Barclays Center, in their rematch, which was that which which was a uh, full a decision, just like this fight was. But yeah, I thought I thought personally I thought Rose won, just me personally. When I'm watching it, I mean, I haven't gone back and watched. Maybe I go way back and watch. I may have a different opinion, but at the time, but based on what I watched, based on what I saw, I thought Rose did enough to get the decision. It's just me. Okay. Uh, for me personally, I, I agree with you there. I felt like Rose did enough to get the decision. Um. Oh, man. <laughs> Here's the thing. When you say that the judge was silly for giving Rose four rounds to one, is it silly because Rose started coming along during the third round as well? I think, if anything, the third round is more up for debate than the second round. Really? Okay. But do you think Rose had enough? Yeah, but, yeah, but I don't think... I don't think she won... Four rounds to one, though. That's just me. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, but if the judge felt like she she did enough during that third round to win, to edge out that round, it's a possibility that she could have round. She could have won four rounds. It, 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 there is a possibility. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just asking you the 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 question. Like, I I, I think there's a possibility there. Um. Uh, to me, I thought I thought it was cl- I thought to me it was pretty obvious that um, Rose won th- two, not three, excuse me, two, two, four, and five for me. I thought it was like kind of like, okay, this is clearly Rose's round, and this is you know how good way lead rounds one and three for me. Um. Okay. The fight was very uh technical, very strategic. If anything, I could say that. Like, I know you felt like maybe there was another fight on the card that was more strategic than this. I think this was the most technical and most strategic fight of the card. No, I agree, because, with, I agree, I agree with that. Because I think both both fighters showed an amount of technique and strategy on, like, you know, stand-up, clinch, and the ground game. So we saw all three phases where both fighters went, you know, four submissions, and they showed defenses, and then, you know, they were able to gamble on a certain defense, but they got the, you know, they got what they were looking for, things of that nature. Like, there was even a moment where we all felt like in uh, the, it may have been the third round where uh, in order for Rose to get up, she had to give up her back to Zhang Wei Li in a, uh, in a, uh, in a grappling situation. And I like we all felt like maybe that was a mistake. Zhang Weili almost I think even got a a, a a a rear naked choke in, but Rose was able to fight the hands, get out of it. 
Um, it was even to a point where Rose powered. Uh, smart thing. A lot of fighters when they go when they're fighting the rear naked choke from the back when they're uh, upright. A lot of fighters have a tendency to try and want to get out of it. No, what Rose did, which was very smart, and this is you know championship level fight, like this is top five ranked stuff that the fighters are doing, is they're spinning. They're trying to gather enough. You know, they're fighting the hands, getting enough space, gathering enough power while they're fighting the hands because they're not doing anything with their body. And as soon as they have enough energy, they spin. So now they're on top and they have leverage to reign over some punches. That's what she did. And I felt like maybe that could have given, you know, the judge, you know, the the look at the round to say, okay, maybe that's why she won that round. But all in all, aside from that, Zhang Weili, I think, dominated that round so forth. Um, Zhang Weili did not get the uh, submission she was looking for, but no. she was the more powerful fighter. The thing is, man, um, she's so good, I don't know what's next for her. Yeah, that's, that's the problem, is that, um, well, you know, the first fight, she got knocked down in less than two minutes. Oh, this fight was a lot closer. It was competitive and a split draw, but we don't know where she is now, knowing that Rose is the champion. She's in that Ioana was, Ioana Jacek was a couple of years ago after she lost to Rose, where it was like, Ioana's in a tough spot, losing to Rose twice. Now, exactly. I mean, and then here's the other thing, is like, Does she does she now like fight an up and coming contender? Yeah, that's the thing. What do you next? Because I mean, does, does she fight maybe a Maria Rodriguez potentially, or the or um who's the the other Chinese fighter? What's her name? Yan, I forget her name. Yan Xion, I forget how to pronounce her name. Yeah, the, you know, because you're right. Because who she fight next? Like she she fight you know. Those girls I mentioned, maybe Yuana, the rematch. Maybe, um, or she go up to 125, maybe, because she's worried about going at 125, you know, when she was champion to fight Valentina. But, you know, unless unless you're unless you kind of rose to lose the next fight to Carl Esparza, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you want to do that. See, oh, like, this, this is the thing, like, I, I think, like, this is... I understand why Justin Gagey went radio silent. And I think I understand why he took took as much time off as he did. When you're the number one contender and the clear-cut number one contender, and you lose to the champion, but you know the number two and number three guys right now are fighting this things of that nature to try and, you know, get the next spot. And you're just kind of stuck right there. Like, you can't... The next fight would have to be a step down. Right. And so I think you have to take a strategic step down in order to take a step back up. And so I think we're not going to see Zhang Weili for a while. Right. Although, to be fair, Gaethje was mad that all Baron Chandler got the title fight over him. He did want that title fight when it was done in May. But I get what you mean by that. I understand that, but uh oh man. And even and even Habib Khabib is getting involved in this. 
in saying uh, he's telling Justin Gagey to shut up and that Islam Makhachev is the rightful contender. But, man, I love Khabib, but please don't get into this. You had your chance and you gave up the belt. Right. Uh, yeah, it's true. That's true. Although he did beat Gagey. There's, I mean, he beat Gagey, but now Gagey, like, I, to be fair, man, I know Poirier and, 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 and Oliveira is about to get it going, but I think Gagey just made himself the number one contender. I, get, I mean, I still, I still lean a little towards it, despite, despite you know, despite the performance. I just think you know, both you know him and Chandler are coming off finishes and title fights. You know, he won the fight in an epic way. I mean, super. I mean, legendary, epic. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm to the point where I want to be too upset that give Gaethje the winner of Oliveira and Poirier. I'm gonna be too. I'm be too upset, but I still think Islam deserves it. That's where I'm at. I mean, this is my thing, right? Right. Let's say, like, this is my thing with it. You want to do the natural ranking of it? Let's do the natural ranking. Khabib was champion. KG was one. Uh, we didn't know who two and three was, right? It was a mix. We. Was it Tony? Was it Tony. Tony. I think Tony was. Tony was no. Tony was. Tony was one. He lost two, and then he lost to Oliveira. December after Gage, after um, the Gage and uh, Habib fight. Yeah, so then he dropped to four, and then he just recently lost to Dariush. So now uh, he's Tony's five. Oliveira and Chandler had a fight for um had a fight for the championship, right? Yeah. Chandler won. I mean, no. Oliveira won, Chandler lost, right? Yeah. So that it makes Chandler champion. What does that make Michael Chandler? Chan, uh, one of, that makes him one of the five best one, you know, top five um, No, in the natural ranking, where does that make him? That if you him lose to the one. champion, that makes you number one contender. I guess, yeah, that's true. Although I don't necessarily always agree with that because I think sometimes – Depends on who's right, who's also in the division, what they're doing as well. I get what you mean. I understand what you're talking about. I mean, but the like the champion, the champion like forfeited the title, right? And so a new ranking system had to be built. Okay, okay. You understand what I'm saying? And yeah, so yeah. with that being said, if you want to take some re- remnants off the old uh, ranking system, as far as like you know from five down, okay, but top five had to be rebuilt. Right. And so now you have Chandler one, Poirier was two, but Chandler just came off the matchup with Oliveira, so Poirier was next up in line right after. Who was after uh, Poirier? It had to be Gagey. Right. Oh, and okay. then and then I put Benil Darius. Like I think Benil Darius still has a legitimate case to 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 fight for a championship. Yeah, and he, I think he if he calls out if he calls out Islam Makhachev and they want to decide like that's for the number one contendership, they can do that. I, I, I wouldn't mean I wouldn't mind that. I think that'd be a good idea. Islam that'd be a Darius. great idea. I would like that. 
Hey, if I'm, if I'm there, you I'm, I'm being I'm being wait. I'm doing the uh, backup role just in case something happens in the next couple of weeks. God forbid. But I understand right that. But... Well, yeah, yeah, I, I like that though. Yeah, but this is my thing. So now, like, Gagey just beat Chandler, who just fought for the championship. Right. Although people are criticizing that, considering he had one fight. Although I agree with it at the time. I did agree with Chandler getting a title fight. Like at the time, like no other, no other, uh, no other lightweight was more, you know, impressive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I agree with you there. Some people that criticism at the time of Chandler getting a title fight. Like I didn't like. This is my thing. Like. I know we want to uh, congratulate Islam Makhachev off of the uh, Dan Hooker fight, but Dan Hooker just impressed us off of the uh, that last fight. Before that fight, before that fight, he got beat by um, Chandler, and we all thought he almost retired in the ring the way he threw his gloves in the ring. Like you don't do that unless you're letting us know that you're retiring. And prior to that, I don't think Hooker was in the title fight, the title cont- title contention like that. He was ranked, but he was still looking for, you know, his way to get into the top five. Right. And so, like, you know, I, it's not to take away from Isamakochev's, you know, achievements achievements so far, but I think the same way uh, Islam could say off of, you know, the way he's been dominant that he deserves the title fight. It's the same way Hamzat Shemaev could say the same thing, but it's like, hey, get a couple more fights and get some fights with some guys in the top five. Because those guys in the top five, when you go five rounds with them, like it, it's a difference. Right. And, oh, there are people who like to see it. Hamzad, but yes, you get to see the slower out, though. Hamzad. Yeah, definitely. So, um... Uh, oh, yeah. Before, before we get tied back to the Rose and uh, Wei Li, which we're talking about before, um... Yeah, do you think do you think it's what's next for Rose? It should be her and Carl Esparza, right? At this point, I mean, I don't I don't know what else you. Some would say Marina Rodriguez, but I think Carla because of the story, the fact that she has a victory over Rose and she's the first strawweight champion, that seems like the more natural, more better. I think matchup. Who's been more active? Um. Uh, Marina, I think, no, Marina had another one. They both fought in May last time, and then Marina got another fight against Mackenzie Dern. I believe Marina, no, I believe Carla Esparza told, told us she was going to wait for uh wait for the title, right? Yeah, yeah, because they did Wei Li and... Um, and, then, and, uh, and then Dana White told her, you're not going to wait for the title. You're going to wait for our call, right? Right, and I'll leave it for Dick. I think that's a little absurd, but all right. Yeah, I don't think it's absurd. I think and it's also, uh, also also she had the victory over Marina Rodriguez. Don't forget that too. So that's another thing that goes in Carl's favor. When I had to check when this victory was. La, it was last year. Maybe they rematch for number one contendership. Yeah, they could. Although Rose admitted that she wants to fight Carla next, that she's willing to do it. Plus, like I said, Carla has to I mean, I mean, you know what? If Rose is calling her out, then okay. But I was just, you know, me personally, I wanted to go off what the boss said. 
what Dana White says usually goes. And if he said, you know, she's not waiting for the title match, she's waiting for our call, then I, I, I would go with uh, what Dana White is saying. But if Rose is calling her out, if, if the champ is, get, is calling someone out, then the champ gets what the champ wants. Right, and 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 Carlos Sugar, the champ, personally, I think it's it makes too much, I think it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, um, I guess we can go to the main event now. Kovitin Usman, Kobe Kovitin, Kamara Usman, Kamara Usman wins this fight, wins um this fight, forty eight, forty seven, two the judges scorecards, and forty nine, forty six on one though. And this fight was it was it was almost like a tale of two different fights. It seemed like Col- the first two rounds, Kobe Kovitin was a lot more cautious, was very cautious, and. Usman was, you know, dictating the fight a lot more, but Usman was also being patient as well. Not, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to be reckless either. And you know, and Usman, you know, landed more powerful shots. And you know, Kobe did go for a takedown the first round, didn't get it, and in the second round, didn't get it. But third round progresses. You know, oh, Usman drops Covington in the second round, and you know, it looks, you know, it looks like you know Kobe's in trouble, but he gets up and is able to manage to survive the um, Usman barrage. In the end, in the towards the end of the second round, if I'm mistaken, yeah, it was towards the end of the second round. And then on the third round, it seemed like, especially the second half of that third round, the fight started so much changing, where Covington was being more active, you know, laying better shots, and got two takedowns. I'm carrying them takedowns. I, that was my take. Those me were takedowns. I don't. Even though, yes, it wasn't long. He didn't get him for long. I understand. But those were legit take. You don't Ladies and gentlemen of the podcast, if you, you can't see it on YouTube, but Austin is saying there they were those were takedowns, and I'm just shaking my head no, because I disagree. I'm gonna go with the UFC statisticians. I'm not going with the Austin statistician. I'm not, well. I'm going with Dan Cormier and Kamara Usman are saying they say it was takedowns. I'm going with wrestlers. Over USC tacticians who've never wrestled. Just saying. What's their credentials? I want to see theirs before I go. It's it's not about credentials. It's about what the league has deemed as a takedown. Because they have have statistics for everything. They have statistics for takedown. So for, for takedown defense. So in order for a fighter to have a certain amount of takedown defense, they have to... They have to quantify what a takedown is by their standards. And based on the USC standards, Kobe Covington did not execute a takedown. So he did not get a takedown. Which which I have to ask, I have to ask those guys, how is that not a takedown? That doesn't make sense. He wrapped Usman's arms. I mean his arms around Usman. He drove Usman to his knees. He, you know, it wasn't standing. Like I said, twice. It wasn't long. I get it. It wasn't long. He didn't head him down. That I agree with. But nevertheless, he took him down. Yeah, but that's the thing. The time of the time of uh oh man, I guess time of possession also counts in the takedown for the UFC. You can have a flash takedown, right? Right. And they won't score it as a takedown. I've seen that plenty of times in the UFC. He didn't. He didn't have Kamara on his knees long enough for them to constitute it a takedown. And I watch like we both watch the same fight. Yeah. I don't believe like you. I know you're saying is like he got him on his knees, but you keep reiterating with the caveat it wasn't for that long. 
if you're admitting that it wasn't for that long, then it it wasn't a, it wasn't a takedown. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, but that's because you don't, don't know. Then you don't call it that long. Doesn't mean it's not a takedown. It's still a takedown. You drove your opponent off, you know, off the same position, and you're your with body control too. It wasn't like it was, you know, and you you held body control, and you land, and you, and you get, and you take him down. Austin, I understand your point, but it's based on the UFC standards. And what they count for a takedown is that someone being driven off their knees and being held in said position for a set amount of time. And Kobe Covington did not achieve the set amount of time. He only achieved one half of the requirement. And so it's not a takedown. Which I think, which I, which I, which to me, that's something I think the UFC has to address because we have, you know, someone like Cormier and even Usman and got taken down. That's something you got to address UFC, two highly credentialed wrestlers. Shane's something different. But that's besides the point. Anyway, anyway, this was a, this was a competitive fight. Like I said, it was competitive despite, you know, despite, you know, Usman winning the fight. It was competitive. I mean, the fourth round was Kobe's best round. If, if arguably, well, yeah, it was his best round. We, I think that can, I can say, because I think he landed a head kick on Usman. I know he wobbled near the end of the round. That was, that was the front, you know. But then the fifth round was pretty competitive as well. Usman, you know, they land a, a nice, you know, some nice um, punches that rock Kobe, but Kobe was able to rock him. And Usman has more power than Kobe. That's one that was evidence in his fights. And even the last, even the first fight was more evidence. That you know, Usman had, does have the more more power than Kobe Covington, but nevertheless, Kobe Covington did show his toughness because he got dropped and looked like he was done in the second round, and it it looked like he does, but he got up and was able to keep fighting. And he was, you know when at least two rounds from Usman, and you know, and was able to make it a close fight. And even at the end, Kobe Covington gave respect to Kamara Usman, quote unquote breaking character. If you saw it, you know you saw it, you know the end. Was something that people were kind of surprised by, and this was, you know, this this main event delivered. It was something everyone was looking forward to. People were wondering if this was going to be like the first one, or it was going to be a domination, or it wasn't. It was a it was a close competitive fight, and Kamara was able to squeak by. You know, Kamara was able to get the victory. And was what 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 was it in this fight that you saw that Dan from both Covington and Usman? Um. The biggest thing that stuck out to me was that in the first two rounds, it felt like the first fight stuck more in one fighter's mind than in the other. And I think uh, Kobe Covington, he felt that power. Like, he truly felt Kamaru Usman's power in that first fight to a, to a point where he kind of was, he was either anticipating the knockdown or trying to get, like, going out of his way to avoid the knockdown. But he knew the knockdown was coming. He knew Kamara's power was going to knock him down. My thing was, um, I think what would have made made it a closer fight for Kobe Covington, and it was a close fight, but I think what would have made it an even closer fight and even harder to judge fight was that if Kobe kind of came in with the, with the same, like, I don't know, both fighters came in different, more skilled. But if Kobe came in with the same approach that he came in last fight, 
which was like, you know, a lot more reckless abandonment, things of that nature, not really respecting Kamaru Usman's power. Or if he is respecting it, he's giving it enough respect to go, I'm going to block your shot, but I am returning back, and I am going to dirty the game up. I think that what's what what's would have helped him because later on in the round he did he did revert, not revert, but he did go to uh, go to more dirty boxing things of that nature, and it didn't involve the clinch, but involved a lot more side swipe, uh, a lot more angles, a lot of hitting uh, different areas, a lot of you know fainting and looking at Kamara like uh, fainting at Kamara and you know talking to Kamara things of that nature, talking a whole lot of junk to him. It, it was that type of boxing. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, you know, there was a lot of skill involved in it based on the footwork and the angles of what he was doing. But he was really like, you know, he involved the clinch sometimes to kind of get closer to Kamara and then, you know, just throw off the distance that Kamara had. Um, the Kamara was excellent throughout the fight to me through and through. The, the, the most impressive thing about Kamara was like, I, I believe if if it wasn't twice, then I believe three times Kobe wobbled him. But what Kamara was able to do was a reset. And after, I think, the second time he was seeing what was getting him in trouble. And so he wasn't going to that. uh, He wasn't he wasn't repeating that same rhythm that was getting him in trouble. And he was offering something new to Kobe. It like, you know, it, it was just a great fight, great technical fight. Kamaru Usman and still, he's the Nigerian nightmare. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, it was just an excellent, excellent fight from both fighters. I'm glad you mentioned the feints. I didn't, because I forgot, because I, like, I was watching at the time thinking Kobe's throwing some feints that work. And, and, I, and it's like, I, I forgot to mention it. That's a good point. But I think one thing about Usman, I felt like that he was, um, even when he brought Kobe, he wasn't reckless with his shots. Like, he was calm, patient. Like someone asked him, like, "Well, you know, was he going for a finish?" He said, "Yes, but also, if you're a champion, you got you can't just be reckless. You got to like, you know, know when to throw it. Also, because you know, if he's you know reckless and trying to finish Kobe, he can tire himself out, which gets Kobe Covington. You don't want to do that at, at, at all. Or he might get caught with something, maybe a punch or you know an elbow or something. You don't want to do that either, and then lose, you know." yourself in harm's way because you got reckless because you were trying to finish a guy. So that's the one thing I think also about Kamara that was kind of impressive is that he didn't um he didn't like he didn't he, when he did hurt him he was more patient and calm like you know he was he was letting the, you know I'm gonna finish him if I can but but I'm gonna you know I'm gonna hurt I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna point fight but at the same time I'm not gonna you know go out my way for a knockout that makes sense. Most definitely it it just like you know Kamara was the true, he was the true embodiment of fundamentals, of where fundamentals can get you. Sticking to the fundamentals, stopping with the flashy, you know, you don't have to do a spinning back fist to get a KO to, you know, get fight of the night. It, You know, sometimes just the overhand right or just that nice jab, sometimes throwing the jab right when an opponent least expected. it is a beautiful thing and it can it can do enough. If you're throwing with intent to harm, it can do enough. And Kamara Usman just, you know, we even saw it in like Kobe wanted to, you know, Kobe they both had a chance. Kobe had the chance, you know, with shooting and going for the takedowns. 
they had a chance to mix it up and going into the ground game. And not for nothing, watching uh, uh, Kamara Usman, we're seeing that he's gotten so far away from attacking offensively uh, with wrestling that he really didn't know what to do in certain uh, advantage, you know, in certain placements where he had advantages. Not really not knowing what to do, but just it seemed like he forgot. But the fundamentals and defensive fundamentals for wrestling were there. And so he was able to do a lot. And you saw he defended all the takedowns that uh, Kobe Covington had for them, had for him. Do you think maybe the, the whole, you know, you mentioned like the wrestling thing, he wasn't more offensive because he respected Kobe's wrestling game too much that he feels like maybe I don't want to waste energy trying to do against Kobe? Because I feel like if you were to fight, let's say, a Leon Edwards, which that's a whole nerd, you know, that's a whole nerd-ish thing itself, but then maybe he would win more wrestling offensive. Do you think, because I feel like maybe that was more bad that it's just that he respects, you know, Kobe's wrestling game is very good that he didn't want to, Try to tire himself out going for takedown. I mean, but see, this is the thing. He had he whenever he was defending against the takedowns, he put himself in prime position to get ground and pound, uh, you know, ground and pound um uh position. And so when he didn't try and attack that to give, you know, Kobe a you know a, a different look to say, all right, you know what, I have to be more careful and calculated in my wrestling attempts. The only thing he was able to do was defend the shoots and, and, and you know, reverse the takedowns. Like, we saw him in the first round, you know, flip a takedown that Kobe had a, into a, a advantageous position. But from there, I thought he had the, uh, uh, if he, you know, if he committed himself, he would have been able to get the, uh, uh, you know, ground and pound position or at least get a half guard to where he could have done some uh, body work, and especially if he's doing body work and you're the stronger uh, stronger opponent. That would have definitely tired Kobe out and would have just been more advantageous for him. And so I just, for that instance right there, like I, I know Daniel Cormier called it, but he called it at the same time as I saw it. Like we both saw the same thing. It was like, all right, dude, you just haven't been offensive with your wrestling in a while. It seems you've truly dedicated yourself to the stand-up game and getting your, uh, you know, your, getting your jabs and, and everything correct. And we can all applaud you for that, but don't get away from your bread and butter. Right, exactly. Don't be the classic case of a wrestler becoming a brawler for getting his wrestling. The class and where eventually, eventually, it comes back to bite you in the butt. We've seen wrestlers. Most definitely, especially if you like. If anything, the fight where I see it would be biting him in the butt the most would be this Leon Edward fight coming up. Re okay, really? So, um, you know what? Let's do this. So, next for uh, Kamara Usman now it's probably Leon Edwards considering Jorge Masvidal just pulled out of an injury with an injury. So unfortunately, Jorge will not be fighting Leon next month, and it looks like Lee, it looks like you know, I, and I personally thought it'd be cool to see him and Bilal Muhammad finish their business, but it looks like Bilal Muhammad be fighting Wonder Boy on December 18th. So, so it looks like the, Leon basically seems like, hey, I want my title fight now, which you know you can argue, yeah, he, he, it's hard to deny him at this point. Maybe a title fight considering I don't want to get well. Never mind. Go ahead. No, nah, I agree with you there completely. If anything, if it, you know, I would, I would like, you know, I would give him the title fight. And the thing is, it, like, you know, if I'm Kamara, 
like I know you can you can be patient right now, knowing that you're gonna give him the title fight. He probably doesn't have to fight another fight because after this, you know, because sorry, excuse me. After this um Jorge Masvidal fight, the only other fight we want to see Leon Edwards in is a title fight. He's on an eight fight winning streak right now in the welterweight. I, I, I think it was ten. Well, ten. It's it's a it's a at least ten or eleven unbeaten streak because the Leon Muhammad fight was a no contest. Give me one moment. I would have to check. Because I know his last loss was to you know Kamara Usman, but that was back in twenty fifteen. That you know both guys have been are different fighters from that fight, obviously, since. See, Dan's checking to see the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. He's on an eleven fight win streak. No, wait, give me one. I'm sorry, on being streak. I'm sorry, give me one moment. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine fight win streak. Right, and his last loss was to Kamara Usman. That was he said out yeah. years ago. Yeah, twenty fifteen. That was the last. Uh, that was his last loss. And he's, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he just, he just won. He's, you know, being guys and things like that. Although, like I said, I'm not, I'm not like the biggest Leon Edwards fan just personally, but I would get his, his due. He is very good. Very good, you know, he's very good and that's what he has to do to win. Yeah, most definitely. Like I'm not the biggest fighty I'm not the biggest fan of him either, but at a certain point you gotta give a deserving fighter, you know, everything that they're due. And he's yes. due a title fight. Yes, he is. And I think he deserves it. And although me personally, I don't think anybody well, I think most guys in the welterweight division do not get challenge do not get Kamara Luce from the challenge that Kobe Covington does. I feel like Cody Covington is always going to be the guy that gets Kamaru problems. I mean, Cody Covington is the only guy to take multiple rounds off Kamaru Usman. Think about that. I mean, other than that, I mean, maybe Gilbert Burns, the first round of their fights, could he did drop Kamaru. Maybe, maybe that, but even then, like, my thing is, like, he dropped them early in the round, but then Kamaru was able to kind of reset and you saw it through that round that he was kind of end. He was gonna end things off with that jab, right? And right, exactly. And yeah, and other than that, I mean, maybe the first round, the first Jorge fights, where Jorge, you know, Jorge clipped him a couple of times before Kamaru took him down. Maybe, I'm just saying, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like these are just maybe's. Like we'd have to kind of check the uh, scorecards, but that's, you know, that's for another discussion another day, you know, it's uh, how great Kamaru Usman is. Right. But, it shows, um, it shows how, you know, like I said, that's why I think personally, I think, even if Leon does fight, you know, Kamaru, I think Leon wins. I mean, Kamaru, Kamaru, Kamaru wins. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I think Kamaru wins again. I don't think, I know Leon's good, but I don't know if Leon presents a threat to where I go, ooh, Kamaru can make it lose. Yeah, if any, if anything, I think that's a fight where, uh, you know, if Kamara, like, just, I want to talk about it now, what the approach is. If I'm Kamara, man, I, I take the Glover to share approach. 
I'm mm-hmm. going in for the grapple early. I'm not waiting till we're sweating this, that, whatever. I want to test your defense. I really want to test your defense. I mean, I really, really want to test your defense. Matter of fact, matter of fact, while I'm I'm gonna heal up right now from this fight because it was five rounds. I got wobbled a couple of times, you know, just let my face heal, things of that nature. But he didn't take any other damage as far as any other body parts, I, I believe. I don't think Kobe threw a lot of uh, leg kicks during this fight. He threw a couple early on, but then, like, went away from it. A couple, and I think uh, uh, body kicks was uh, was really, uh, you know, his bread and butter and kind of helped him out there. Um, So maybe uh, help with that. But then after that, if I'm Kamaru Usman, I'll go right back in the gym for that offensive wrestling and I'm combining the boxing that I have with it, and we're going, you know, we're going to play with the distance, this, that, whatever. I'm going to make you, I'm going to lull you in for, like, maybe the first 30 seconds because 30 seconds is a lot of time. I'm going to lull you in first 30 seconds, then I'm shooting and reshooting and reshooting and reshooting, and once I really got you, like, once I really tested your defense, if I really can't get you after the, the you know, the third and fourth shot, then then we'll we'll play your game for a little bit. After that, I'm 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 hunting. Right, exactly. I think that's a smart choice. Because I have a theory. I've said this before, and typically Western European fighters don't have good wrestling. That's just a theory of mine. And, you know, you know, I'm talking about you know British, French, Germans, you know, Spain, Italians, you know, all those people typically don't have great wrestling. Typically, usually it's the East European countries, like the Russias, Ukraines, and like. You know, Belarus, those countries have the better grapplers. Uh, I mean, but what about Marvin Vittori? Nah. No. You don't think his wrestling's all that? No. I, I think, because my thing is, I feel like, I, I remember when I talked about the Israel fight from June, I remember I was I was saying, like, you know, his, I don't expect him to do have great grappling against Israel. Because, you know, he trains at Kings MMA, which is one of the best trains in all of MMA. I just don't think he's the type of guy that can take a guy down at will. Or, you know, if he's a great wrestler, can really, you know, do very well. Rattori? I got to see Rattori, personally. Okay. It's just a theory of mine. I, I feel like I've seen that Western European fighters. I know, Nor- I know like, Northern European fighters at the Scandinavian region tend to have good grapplers, you know. It's in that be very good grapplers and stuff, but but you know I'm talking about wrestling, pure wrestling. I don't they typically don't do well. It's just a theory. I, I, it's just my theory. It's something I've noticed. I mean, unless I'm wrong, someone can prove me wrong, then uh, I'll, be, I'll be happy to admit it. But just haven't seen it yet. I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Someone will have to you know, some uh, a wave of athletes will probably come out from a region showing a set of skills and. Things of that nature. It always happens sometime in you know, sometime around the years where a new wave of fighters from a certain region start to say, you know what, we're here to make noise. So it it, it, it may happen. With- right. Also also I do want to give um shout also I do think for Kobe Covetson, I think him and Ori is the perfect fight to make now. Now we gotta do it. I mean I I was in Florida. Look, I live in Florida. You know, if you gotta make that fight, it has to be in Florida. It can't be anywhere. Oh, that's Florida, Florida five rounds. Yes, I I want to I would love to go personally. I'm just being real. I you know I would love to go see that fight, yeah, especially South Florida. It has to be Kobe and Jorge. 
Florida five rounds, and they both are going to trash talk enough to make it for the number one contendership. Right, yeah. I mean, Kobe, I can, I can, you can justify because he's the only guy to give Usman tough fights. We're worried, I think, of a tougher challenge because he got Dami and both and knocked out in the second one. But I get what you mean, though. But like also like if but if Jorge is able to beat you know Kobe in in you know convincing fashion, Kobe really hasn't. The only person that's beaten Kobe Covington in the past couple of years is the champ Kamara Usman. So if Jorge is the next guy to beat him, it kind of goes all right. Well, you know Jorge's next in line. True. Although Vince Luque is a guy to watch out for. I think. He's yeah. Been on. He's won ten of his last eleven fights. I mean that guy. He's right there too. I think that's the I mean, guy. Who there's a lot of with. names in this division, right? But I think he's the one. I think him that, that's that's close can actually give Usman some problems. That's just that's just how I feel. I think Luke is the guy everyone's sleeping on. And I believe I, I I believe you there. And also, I think man, I think a guy who's coming along, he's almost there, is Kiesa, Michael Kiesa. Right. Although, yeah, that's true. I'll just see him help me bounce back. Hopefully, you know, work on his, you know, I'm pretty sure he's working on his submission defense. Yeah, but like, then, yeah, but then again, like, like we said, who would have, who would have put money in Vegas, Luke by Dars on Chiesa? Who would have put it, who would have put the money on that? No one. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, but I think. Kiesa seems like he has a history of bad submission defense. Despite being a great grappler, he does have a history of it, it seems like. Who gets some of his losses. But that's another story for another day. We talk, you know, I know Kiesa's playing not, yeah, not that far. Soon he's playing, so we'll probably talk more about him as, as this fight comes up. So with that being said, uh, that's the conclusion of the card. Is there any preliminary fighters that you want to give a shout-out to? Because there was six KOs in the preliminaries. Oh, yes, I do. I want to show um, Chris Barnett the wheel kick. <laughs> the wheel kick. Big heavyweight boy. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to check it out. Heavyweight boy threw a wheel kick. And then for his celebration, he flipped and landed on his butt and then giggled like Winnie the Pooh. It's like <laughs> just the funniest thing ever. Like it's. I don't know. It, like, it has me stuck. I don't know how to describe it. It's crazy. That could be knockout of the year. That's a candidate for knockout of the year. I'm going to say it right now. It is. A wheel kick knockout? Always in the shots. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. It most definitely has a it, it has candidacy for knockout of the year. Also, I want to shout out Alex Barrera, who, who, you know, kickboxing legend, who's, who, well, we don't know, he's the one that knocked out Israel in, K, in uh, Florida kickboxing. He made, you know, he made his, I think his UFC debut. Yeah, his UFC debut. And got a fl- a fl- Good. He got a flying knee KO. Yeah, and it was very, very impressive. It was to, a, like, and the way it was, like, the fighter came in, his his opponent. Oh, man, I got to get his name correct. Andreas uh, Mikolas? Andreas Mikolas. He came into the fight, and you can already tell what his objective was. It was to stop Alex Fierro from trying to strike, to stop him from trying to throw anything and take him down or whatever uh, and, and whatnot. And Alex Fierro does have to work on his takedown defense because he was vulnerable to a lot of things. And though uh, Michaelitis was not able to attack on those certain uh, deficiencies, 
uh, Alex Pierre was vulnerable to certain things, but he did. He was able to fight through it, get back up, and then landed an impressive KO there. So salute to Alex Pierre right there. Very impressive debut. Right. Also, I do want to give a shout out to Ian Gary, you know, from Ireland, who who seems like maybe he might be Ireland's second big prospect to come to UFC behind Conor McGregor. I know Conor McGregor gave him like a blessing or like, you know, gave his war approval. And he was also a great dominant cage warrior. I think he's A and O now or nine and O. I forget. And he's under at least undefeated. He, you know, he came back and, you know, he fought some adversity. He faced some adversity against Jordan Williams, but he did with KO Jordan Williams in that first round. Uh, and that, which, you know, and then he made a speech. Hey, listen, now Irishmen say we ain't take part of it, take over. He basically said, listen, my goal is to be the second Irish guy to, to do the second takeover. And he's got a lot of personality. He's got skills. He's got power. This guy reminds me a little Patty Pimblin a little bit. I know this is a weird comparison, but both guys, you know, Cage Warriors, a lot of hype and stuff. They, you know, they, they face adversity, but they come through with the knockout power. And they win, you know, impressively in their debuts. And they got a lot of attention. And, you know, like Patty, he needs to work on, you know, his defense. In terms of, you know, getting ahead and stuff, moving and stuff. If we work on that and, you know, and fix that, who knows? He's, got a, he's got a good ceiling. Just like Patty. Um... It, there's another fighter that I do want to uh, congratulate on the card. Very impressive debut in the UFC. He said he waited a long time for it. Chris Curtis. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, versus Phil uh, Hawes. He, yeah, impressive counter left. I remember I was watching this fight, and I remember I said the names to my girlfriend, and my girlfriend says, funny enough, I was talking to – she said she was talking to her cousin – and she wanted to put money on Chris Curtis, but she wasn't that confident, and she kept the money. I said, "Oh, you should have put your money if you if you were really confident." She goes, "Nah, I'm really, you know, I don't watch a sport like that." But Chris Curtis, I did watch a couple of his amateur fights, and so that was someone I I, I paid attention to. Watching the fight, Chris Curtis was getting dominated in the first couple of rounds, but he was just—it seemed like he was just trying to find his shots. But when he did, oh boy. Counter left, got it, and then he just finished Phil Haw- Phil Hawes, and I I just screamed like I remember watching the fight. I'm going, babe, you shouldn't have bet you. you you're glad you bet you you didn't bet your money. You're glad you didn't bet your money. You didn't get it. Oh, you should have bet your money. And it was like that type of reversal. Like it, it was, but that shows you how the event was. The event just had us like every everyone watching. On an emotional roller coaster, because by the time the fight and the, the last fight ended, you started to calm yourself down, and you go, "Okay, maybe the next fight." You know, you don't know what's gonna happen, but you're bracing yourself for anything. And then something impressive happens. You go, "Wow, what can happen next?" And something else happens, and that's what the UFC provided this weekend. This was excellent. Yeah, it did. I mean, this this card delivered. I mean, it was excellent. I mean, I thought two sixty seven was a good card, but this, right? I mean. I mean that's another time for that's another time for a debate which cards you like more two sixty seven two sixty eight but yeah this card was excellent I mean everyone came through maybe playing match to a garden you know, the aura of the garden thing played a part I mean this, to me the two best garden shows to me were this card and the second match to a garden card the one George St Pierre beat Bisping in so, yeah, I think these are the two top two best ones in my opinion. But yeah, but it, it I'm not gonna lie to you, like I, there's no discussion. 
this one beats 267 clearly because 267 does not have a Chandler versus Gagey. All right, you're right. I was just sure that's the yes, that's just true. You might have a point there, actually. Hey, you may, hey, you may, you may have made arguments might be favorite of the year unless 269 does something crazy, but we'll see. December, December 11th, we'll see about that. Yeah, um, yeah. Any else before we move on? Uh, no, that's it. Um. I'm, I'm sorry. You, you said December 11th, December 13th. That's uh, this Saturday. That's we'll see. November. If, uh, this, yeah, November. I'm sorry, November 13th. We'll see if you know that is uh, uh if that shows us anything. Uh, but if you want to move right into this UFC card, the uh, Holloway versus Rodriguez. Yes. Max in the main event is Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez. Two no, Max Holloway number one. You know, better ways he should be. Well, should be the champ, but we'll, we'll leave that aside for now. And against, you know, number three, Yair Rodriguez, who, this is his first fight in almost, I think, two years. Yair Rodriguez, first fight in two years. This thing is, how does Yair look after a two-year layoff? Is he still a guy from before he left, or is he different? Is he slow down? Does he add new wrinkles to this game, etc.? Or Max Holloway, we know what he is. I mean, He's blessed, obviously, but also he can he puts you know he I mean his last fight against Calvin Cater may have been arguably top ten all time greatest performances in a in a in a in a main event of a of a of a show that any fighters ever put on ever. I mean he he just you know excuse my French, but he just whipped Calvin Cater's ass. That's what that was. It was just begin and pillar post. I mean. He was taught at DC and Dan Hardy looking like this, dodging punches, and, and painted him. Wait, what? And oh, it's mean, just unreal. I mean, he he just come up that performance. And he's going against Yair Rodriguez. Holloway looks like this is Holloway's prime. I think this is prime Holloway we're in now. He was a champion before his prime, and I think he should be champion. But still, now we got this version, and I mean. A lot of people think this is a sacrifice. I guess you sacrifice to Holloway, basically. That's what some people are saying. I mean, I mean, maybe it's a stretch, but what are you talking about this fight, Dan? Max Holloway is truly blessed. <laughs> yes. I like, ladies and gentlemen, you, you have to you have to see the Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater fight. Like, all right, you know what? You know what? Let me, all right. I know you're going to, all right. If you watch that fight, right? Watch that fight. Then do yourself justice, right? Yes. Watch the first and the second Holloway versus Volkanovsky fights right after. Because... That's not the order in which the fights happen. It happened Volkanovski 1, Volkanovski 2, and then Cater. And the crazy part is Max got better. He arguably won the title that he never lost. He won that fight, right? But then the title went over to Volkanovski. I thought he won that fight. 
The first fight? Really? Yes. I really thought Max Holloway won that fight. Okay. The second fight, he proved to me that he won the fight. I thought he won the second fight, too. I still think that's one of the worst judging That was one of the worst, worst judging ever. decisions ever. Like, I, oh, man. There was probably one more that we went off on earlier in the year that we'd I'd have to go back in the tapes to see, but I like that that was one of the worst judging decisions I have ever seen. Like it was it was something where like I had to like you gotta start looking into which commission they fight in you and things of that nature to see how these judges judge the fight. But between the first and the second Volkanovsky fight. He got better. And then he got the Calvin Cater fight, which we thought, you know, like, he was just going to put his his skills already on display. But it was more than that. It seemed like Max leveled up even more during the Calvin Cater fight. And then it was to a point, like, like, like Austin said, the, like, the guy just, he's talking to DC and Dana White. Dodging Calvin Cater's punches, saying, I'm the best boxer in the UFC, and don't you ever forget. Bink! And don't you ever forget it. That fight left such an impression. Like, yo. Maybe the greatest performance. Actually, maybe the greatest performance of fighter ever put in the main event. It might be the greatest performance a fighter has ever put on in the UFC. Just talking numbers. Time out. I'm going to the stats right now. I gotta, I gotta pull the numbers. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, I gotta pull the numbers, ladies and gentlemen. I gotta pull the numbers. I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, it's that good. I know it was that good. Also, um, before we continue, I just want to shout out to Maria, who's who's watching us on Facebook. Um, hello, Maria. Salute to you, Maria. This this was a unanimous decision. I just want to let you guys know it went five rounds. Max Holloway landed four hundred and forty-five strikes. My gosh! My oh my god! Wow. And I don't want to, you know, it isn't to take away from Calvin Cater because he's a tough SOB. Mm -hmm. A really good fighter, too. A great fighter. And it wasn't like he just, you know, it wasn't like Calvin Cater didn't. Like, this was the impressive part about it. He ate the 445 strikes while Calvin, Calvin Cater was throwing up decent defense. Like, there wasn't run-of-the-mill lackluster defense. He was defending, but, like, the rhythm that Max was in was so good. It was just flowing. It Ladies was. and gentlemen, it was flowing. It was, it was like, 445 strikes. Right. All that to say, I got Max Holloway winning this. I do, too. Now, Yair is creative. That's the one thing about Yair that makes him, you know, that makes him a threat, especially against Holloway's. His, his offense is very creative. I mean, he, I remember he did, like, a weird, like, I don't want to say insecure, like, like wrestling, but he, you remember, I forget which fight it was. I think it was, um, if I remember, it was, uh, what's, shoot. 
uh, it was a head kick. It was like an aggressive head kick knockout. I'm trying to remember. Was it? Was it Andre Feely? I think it was. He went some crazy like head kick knockout. I forget what. I didn't. He. I forget what it was. But he has pre of knockouts. I mean, the Korean Zombie one's the one we all remember. We was down three rounds to one. Like like about like ten seconds to go. He does this like. Okay, it's Korean Zombie like this, unexpected, knocks him out as he was about seconds away from losing the fight, too. So, Yair is very creative with his offense. That's the thing. You're Max Holloway. You got to, like, watch out for the – he might do some crazy stuff. Something – he may try to pull something we've never seen before. But, you know, if, if Max Holloway is able to stay, you know, good defense, you know, make it a fundamentals and make it, you know, traditional fights, I mean, I, Holloway wins again. He's, yeah, this is one of these things where, like, I know, uh, I know Yair is a creative striker, and sometimes that could be beneficial. But the thing about Max Holloway is, like, it's not like he has an abnormal wingspan for the division or anything of that nature. He's just thought, like, he is a MMA fighter. He is an MMA, he's a professional MMA fighter, meaning if you want to grapple, he can grapple with you. If you want to ground and pound, he can ground and pound. If you just want to stick in the clinch and do dirty boxing, he can do that. But if you want to stick straight to the stand-up and stand at a range and time strike, fundamentally, he can do that. And the thing about Max is, is it, he's he's so fundamentally strong. That what I can see happening with Yair is that he panics at the fundamentals and tries to do something, you know, tries to be creative at the wrong time. And Max waits for that, and that's when he attacks. Good point. That's a great – yeah, you know what? I can see that. That's a very good point by you, Dan. Yeah, he might try something creative and put himself in danger, and Max attacks him. And maybe and once Max attacks you, I mean, you're in trouble. Oh, excuse me. Sorry about that, but – um. But yeah, once he um, well yeah, once you're in trouble, I mean, Max Holloway could put volume on you, on you. I mean, he's not exactly a power puncher, but the volume just so, does so much damage that eventually you just can't you can't continue. I mean, we've seen guys, I've seen Holloway finish guys with his volume, multiple guys, and yeah, and so that's the thing, you know, Yair, yeah, he may be creative, but he puts up bad position. Holloway can just beat you up basically, and really hurt you. And like, I mean, but so. No, so then with that being said, oh, I know we see Max Holloway's path to victory clearly. If you were to map out a a, a path to victory to uh for Yair, what would it be? I think kicks. I think he may have to do a lot a lot more kicks, particularly leg and body kicks, maybe. I think maybe that might be a good idea if I'm Yair. The more I think about it, because Holloway doesn't throw a lot of kicks. Now granted, it doesn't mean that doesn't mean he's not you know, good defending him either, but at the same time, I think, you know, maybe kicking game early on maybe might be a smart strategy. You know, maybe then that way, if you more about kicks, you may leave his you know, head open, you just attack him there, etc. Okay, so then if that's if that's the case, we, we you know, hopefully uh, Yair, uh, Yair's camp sees that and discusses that. And if that's, you know, if he introduces that, then maybe that can be a, a make it a more in, interesting and entertaining fight. And we just want to see technique and bloodshed with this one because that's yeah. what it's going to be. This is going to be fast-paced, 
this is in the featherweight division, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be fast-paced. There's going to be a lot of technique. And if someone gets busted open, like, you know, leaking, bloody, this, that, whatever, expect them to continue to do so. Especially Yair. I mean, Yair is a Mexican. You know, Mexican warriors, they bleed, they keep fighting. I mean, doesn't matter if boxing or MMA, they will keep on fighting. That Mexican um, Aztec or, yes, Aztec, um, you know, keep, they keep them going. So with that being said, I want to go right into the uh, co-main event for the card. It's in the heavyweight division. We have Ben Rothwell versus Marcos Rodrigo de Lima. Uh, both fighters coming off of a win right now. Uh, Rothwell coming off of a win versus Barnett. De Lima coming off of a win versus Green. But uh, both of them coming off, you know, before those wins, they were lost against, you know, two guys coming up in the heavyweight division. Uh, Rothwell lost to Martian Tabora, and uh, Marcos de Lima lost to uh, Romanov. So, how do you see this uh, this heavyweight fight going? It's weird because Ben Rothwell, although you know recently when he was you know we started thinking he was more of a grappler because he started submitting guys more like twenty you know I remember at 2015, 2016, he was submitting guys and he submitted Josh Barnett, who's one of the better grapplers in heavyweight history. And things like that, but he's got, if I'm mistaken, 28, 28 um, KO TKOs. You know, he's missed a lot of guys with his hands, and he's got seven subs. So that's 35 of his 39 fights. I mean, not fights, finishes are are basically finished. I mean, yeah, his victories are finishes. And um, so if I expect um, Tybora to, Tybor, I mean, not Tybor, excuse me, but I expect Rockwell to win, I expect to finish where, you know, submission or more like TKO KO. That seems like Ben's MO. Especially, I think Ben might have the advantage grappling, though, so he might try to go for submission, though, over Marco, over on uh, Delima. Yeah, yeah, Delima. Oh, Delima, 13 with the 18 victories are KO TKO, so he's got power, too, which I guess is heavyweight, so you kind of expect that power. But, However, um, Dilema, I think if I'm mistaken, let me just double check to make sure this is correct before I say what I'm about to say. Give me one moment. Has um, five submission losses too. So if I'm Ben Rothwell, I'm thinking I expect this to be a lot of grappling. Ben Rothwell trying to submit him because most of his losses of it are submission losses, and Ben Rothwell might be the better grappler of the two. So I expect this to be a lot of grappling. Um, it may be a lot of grappling, but if Ben Rothwell is smart, you come into the ring confident in your KO power and you display that. And then once you once you have him backing up, looking for that, I think that's where you go into the uh, the wrestling. I think that's the uh, the plan of attack for Ben Rothwell. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I can I can understand that. He got well, a lot of TKO KOs. You know, make him respect your power, and then if it's there, go for grappling stuff. Or, or maybe maybe if you hurt maybe if you rock maybe if you rock him you might try to pull a mad mitrion I'm not sure if you remember Rockwell Mitrion Mitrion went for a pretty bad takedown Rockwell was able to like, counter it and turn into like a not a dark choke like a weird like choke over your throat I can't I forgot how to explain it but where Mitrion tapped out melee but you know what I mean like if maybe if you yeah hurt, okay yeah maybe if you, if he hurts Delima, Delima might try for a bad you know takedown. Maybe if Rockwell little stuff, he can catch him, put him in a submission while his neck and you know Rockwell with neck, oof, tapping out. Most definitely. 
So then it sounds like we both have Ben Rothwell uh, for, for this uh, co-main event. Yeah. So with that being said, we can move on right into the uh, next fight. It's in the women's featherweight division. Felicia Spencer versus Leia Letson. Um, I, 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 I got Felicia Spencer winning this one. I, I do too, but my thing is, my problem with this is, why is this in the main card? But yes, Cynthia Calvillo and Andrea, Andrea, Andrea Lee's in the prelims. When Calvillo and Lee are both ranked in the flyweight division, and it's kind of a poor matchup for that division. Like, I'm not going to lie, this, man, I want to say this as well. There's someone else on the uh, preliminaries that doesn't belong on the preliminaries. Oh, I, I have another guy too. I, I think I think I know who you're talking about too. Who? Daryl Moises. Oh, we both were thinking the same person. I do not believe Tiago Moises belongs on the preliminaries of this card. No, considering his last fight was a main event against Islam in July. Exactly. Like this seems like a big step down. I Unless think. he volunteered himself for this fight to just, you know, remain active, you know, kudos to him. But otherwise, I think this is a big step down to be on the preliminaries. Um, yeah. I, I, we both have Felicia Spencer winning the uh, that fight. I'm not upset with Chaos Williams on the main card. Oh, he's either on the main card. Okay. Chaos Williams versus Miguel Baeza. Okay. I don't see, like, just like the Ben Rothwell fight. I don't see this going the distance either. Chaos Williams is a very powerful welterweight. He is one powerful SOB, and his striking is clean, too. Yes, it is. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, he's got, like I said, he, he, I forgot. I think it was his last fight. No, it was, uh, I forgot who it was, but he had an impressive knockout, like a very violent knockout. And once you see go, yeah, he's earned that nickname, Chaos, all right? His striking is pretty good when you watch his fights. I mean, if you're know, you if you gotta be, if you're going to strike a matchup with Chaos, you have to be careful because if, if he catches you with something, he has the ability to put you out one punch. Oh, give me one. Oh, my gosh. Give me one moment because I've just got to – I've got to rewatch it. I know which one you're talking about. Yes. But, um, but I want to talk about Miguel Baeza, who is 10-1. However, he's going on his first loss. Although his first loss was to Santiago Ponzinibbio, who, when he's healthy and active, he is a pretty good, you know, he's, he's a borderline top 10. Or he's a top, or, yeah, he's, he's going to be a top 10 welterweight, Ponzinibbio. So, but before that, Miguel Baeza was, you know, his, his last four fights, no, his last five fights were all finished. No, his last, three of his last, um, no, four of his last five fights. Oh, okay, talk today. My apologies. Four of his last four five fights were finishes, where it be KO and then uh, T, you know, TKO by leg, but leg kick and elbows against Hector Alda, and then TKO with Matt Brown, and then submission against Takashi Sato. So he's a finisher himself. So you got two guys that have to finish. I, I don't think this, this fight's gonna last in the third, you know, to the third round, you know, between two decisions. I'd be surprised though if it does. It was Matthew Samuelsberger. Oh, that's what Chaos Williams knocked out. Yeah, and it was ooh, it was a vicious KO too. 
Yeah, I, I remember that one. But yeah, I, I agree with you there. Chaos Williams is deserving to be on, on like in his placement on the card. Ma- Miguel Baeza, he's very impressive as well, even though he is coming off of a loss against Ponzinibbio, like you said. Um, this fight is going to be fireworks. I expect this fight to be fireworks, but I don't expect it to go the full uh the full three rounds. I don't either. I don't. I'll be surprised personally that does. So then we can move on to the last fight on the main well the first fight on the main card. It is uh Julio Ars versus Yedong Song. Uh, Song Yedong. How do you see this fight going? This I this you know Song Yedong I know is ranked number 15 in the, in the bandweight division, the ultra competitive bandweight division. And I I'm interested cuz Julio Ars I'm not going to lie, I'm not too familiar with him too much. I was checking. I know he has, you know, ten of his seventeen victories are by finishes. We five submissions by five um, TKO KOs, and he's coming off a victory over Andre Hill. Before that, lost to Hakeem Duel. But you know, split decision though, but still lost. Yeah, and but I do know, like, not for nothing. To be is very impressive for him to have a a, a victory over Julian Arosa. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that's impressive right there. Head kick. And this is his second fight uh, in 2021. Before that, he hadn't fought since November of 2019. So I don't know, maybe pand- pandemic, maybe injuries, probably combination of both, preventing him from fighting. But this is his second fight back. He got a victory. This is the beginning of Julio, like Julio um, Arce's rise in the bandwagon division. And if he beats Sonya Dong, he'd definitely be ranked after this. Say Song Yudong is ranked number 15. Oh, excuse me. And Song Yudong is 17-5, although I think he has a controversial victory, in my opinion, against Chio Vera. I feel like he got, it was given the victory against Chio Vera when they fought, I think, oh, last year or two years ago. Yeah, last year. But he's coming out of victory with Casey Kenny. Uh, you know, split decision, but still, nonetheless, it's still victory. And before the, Ch- the Chio Vera fight, he had come off. One, two, three, four, five, six of his seven fight four victories. He had a draw with Cody Stamen, but Cody Stamen is a pretty good fighter himself. So Sonya Dong is pretty talented. He's a good fighter. He teams out Team Alpha Male, you know, with right favor. And, uh, and seems like Team Alpha Male does very well with lighter fighters. It seems like if you're 135, 125, 145, you tend to do well with Team Alpha Male, it seems like, typically. And, he's, you know, he's, he's got, he does have, um, you know, a Balance of decisions and, and finishes, so you don't know what you get. And this fight, I mean, this is a, this is a, cl- a toss-up fight to me, personally. Sonya Dong and Ars. I wanted to say that as well. I agree with you. I, I wish I could favor Sonya Dong, but truthfully, uh, Casey Kenny right now, he's an incomplete MMA fighter because there's certain, um, there are certain advantages in in his style that he can take advantage of. But he isn't doing presently, and so with that, you're kind of fighting an incomplete fighter in uh, Casey Kenny. Like he has a lot more room to grow. I, I see that in his fights. Like the Casey Kenny we're seeing, like, and he is a name that has been brought up plenty. So for him to get a, a victory over Casey Kenny is very impressive, and he did it in an impressive fashion. You know, pressuring the takedowns early, kind of getting Casey Kenny out of his rhythm, and then attacking with the uh, stand-up later on in the fight. But, uh, yeah, I just feel like um, 
this is going to be a toss-up matchup. I, I, I don't know who to pick for sure. I'm just going to be watching this with, with, with uh, you know, watching this with the child's curiosity. I like that. Okay. And, well, I might as well break this fight down since you mentioned him. Tara Moise is going against, uh, you know, Joel um, Alvarez. Alvarez. Yep. It's, this is this is going to be an interesting fight because Moise is ranked number 15 in lightweight division. He'll come up, lost to Islam Makachev. Now, Joel Alvarez is from Spain, and he's 18-2. However, six teams, 18 victories are submissions. So he so he, he wins by submission. He, he gets you down, and you go, you know, he makes guys tap out. And However, Tiago Moises is a black belt in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, he's come up with submission victory to Islam Makachev. However, Islam Makachev has that, you know, wrestling, that sambo style, which... Which takes you know, a lot, you know, pressure and ground and pound, which is easier for submissions. Which is, you know, Alvarez seems to be more of a, of a submission, you know, like a jiu-jitsu submissioner, I mean, I mean, practitioner, rather than you know, a guy like Islam with, you know, the, with Pakistani wrestling and pressure and all that. But Moises is pretty good himself. I mean, Moises is no, he's no joke. There's a reason why he's ranked number 15. The reason why they put him in the main event with Islam back in July this year. Moises, you know, Moises does have six submission victories himself and within three KOs and TKOs. So, so he does a lot of finishes himself. So it makes you wonder if the rappers going to cancel each other out and so maybe with the better striker, striker may win, potentially. I, you know, personally, I always surprised, you know, can Alvarez win? Yeah, but I have a feeling Moises is somehow going to pull victory in this fight, just me personally. I, I agree with you there. I just want to say, um, man, I'm about to say a mouthful right now. Okay. Moises, I believe, is in the same realm as uh, Armin Sukayan. Armin Sukayan lost to uh, Islam. Islam. And just now he's ranked he's just racked off three victories and I know Islam is looking for higher ranked people but Armin is looking for the rematch he believes like he could he could have gotten Islam the way Tiago Moises approaches the ring I feel like he's one of those guys too like those new wave tons of pressure guys all they need is to clean up the striking, but then after that, they're going to have, like, a great run in the USC. And so, Tiago Moises is like that to me. I, it's going to – it's just fun watching him fight. I'm I just going to be entertained watching this one. That's it, really. No, most definitely. And um, I, Moises, before the Islam loss, was on a three-fight win streak, clean, and four of his last five, he had won. Including B. Michael Johnson, Bobby Green, who had a victory around Quinta in the last show, and uh, Alexander Hernandez, who came back and went, won, you know, won his fight after that. So these are three guys who are, you know, who are ranked, you know, named fighters who are usually there at top 20, top 25. So Moses is pretty good, and Alvarez is no joke either. But I do think, you know, Moses is going to find a way to win. I think you mentioned, I, I'm always surprised that Moises goes on goes on a run. Maybe wins like four his next four fights. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I'm like I said, I agree, I agree with you there completely. And 
he's in that class of guys where I think uh, they needed something like that. They needed a loss to a guy like Isamakuchev who's coming up, who, you know, isn't there yet, but you can see his rise isn't too far behind from your rise. And so all you have to do is be consistent, be dominant, be hungry. It's there for you. Yeah. And uh, one more one fight I definitely want to break down. I mentioned earlier is the um, Sidney Calvillo and Andrea, Andrea Lee fights. You know, Andrea Lee being number 12, Calvillo number 5. So this is an important matchup in the flyweight division as, he, as you know, both are ranked girls trying to make this step closer to fighting for the world title against Valentin Shenko. And Andrea Lee, KGB Lee, which I still wonder how she got that nickname. Kind of, you know, saying she's not Russian. Kind of weird nickname. But anyway, she's come out victory over Antonina Shevchenko, uh, Valentina's sister, you know, back in UFC 262, the Oliver Chandler card, by some value, trying, by um, submission, triangle armbar, which I do remember. It was, yes. a, big, it was a big victory for her because she was coming off three losses. So for her to get a bounce back victory was very big for her. She's, you know, has more confidence, more more mojo back. She's looking to try to put make it two in a row and get herself closer to playing, you know, Antonina's sister, Valentina. And being Cynthia Calvillo would definitely do that. Now Cynthia Calvillo is coming off you know a loss to Jessica Andrade by first by T by TKO punches back in uh, no late September. So a little quick turnaround for her. Considering that was, you know, yeah, month and a half, yeah, month and a half ago it was when she lost to Andrade. That was Ortega Volkanovski. So it makes yeah. me want, yeah. So it makes me wonder, like, you know, it, you know, I know she didn't get dropped, dropped, like, you know, like on the mat, but she, you know, the referee had to save her because she couldn't take the punches from um, Andrade. So it makes you wonder if she, you know, it, how, you know, how, how she cover on um, Calvillo from that from that onslaught. Does it benefit Andrea Lee potentially? That's uh, man, I agree with you there completely. That's a that's a factor right there. Has she healed long enough? Has her brain healed long enough in order to take the punishment that may be coming into this fight right there? That's a oh man, that's a big question right there. Um, you, how do you have this fight? Uh, who who do you who do you favor in this fight? I would say Calvillo, despite. That despite despite the whole question marks, I'm with slightly just because I think Calvillo has overall faced better competition and done well against better competition. Although Calvillo, you know, you know Calvillo is not what people thought she was. If you remember 2017, everyone thought she was the next big thing, you know, in terms of women's MMA, but it didn't happen. But Calvillo, when she's on it, is a pretty good fighter. And and Andrea Lee, I mean. I feel if this is a chance to break, this might be her chance to find break through the ceiling that she kind of has for herself, where she's always, you know, competitive, good, you know, top fifteen ish, maybe top ten, but you know, but like lower level top ten, but not, but not exactly can break through into that like, you know, six seven range. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, man. I need I need Andrea Lee to win this to fight Manon Fior. That name's familiar, Manon Fior. She's up and coming in this division as well. And that's a name that they suggested to fight uh uh Valentina. 
but Manon Fiora has not faced a grappler yet that can really push her because she's a, I believe she's a kickboxer. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. If Andrea Lee can do what she did against Antonina in, in getting that pressure with the wrestling, things of that nature, then I, I, I think that that would be, you know, a, a, a good fight there. I mean, this is essentially two wrestlers fighting, right? Two wrestling wrestling dominant women fighting. So yeah, basically super two wrestling dominants. Yeah, and Angel Adrian Lee does have um five submissions, so So then we should see, we should expect the striking matchup. Yeah, probably. I think we're yep. striking. Yep. I I'm try, I forget where Cynthia Calvillo trains now. I know she was in AKA for a little bit, but I think she left. Which, you know, which if she was with AKA I would have picked her convincingly because AKA obviously is, you know, legendary and known for kickbox striking. I mean, the name's American Kickboxing Academy. Despite the Dagestanis being there, but still. Yeah. But still, um but yeah, if it's striking, I mean maybe I'll go I will go um Calvillo in this case. But we shall see. I mean, I wouldn't surprise Angel Adrian Lee wins. So then if that's all right, so then yeah, um if that's the case we just for that matchup, ladies and gentlemen, it's two wrestle it's two wrestlers, so expect a lot of striking. Expect exactly. a whole lot of striking. Um, is there any other fighters you want to shout out for this card coming up? Uh not necessarily. Not necessarily, personally. I mean, is anyone you want to shout out? Nah, I just want to tell the uh, tell the viewers just please keep your eye out on the preliminaries. There's a guy in Tiago named by Tiago Moises, very impressive fighter. Like you're just gonna see him and be amazed at how he approaches his craft. Very yeah. great, very good fighter. That yeah, most definitely. And before we go, I do want to do a quick preview of the Bellator because Bellator does have events tomorrow. It's Chris Cyborg versus. Uh, Sine Kavanaugh in the in the uh, featherweight division that Skyborg defends her title and go against her. Well, there's a fight in this card that I do want to talk about, and in particular, a certain fighter named Aaron Pico. Aaron Pico's fight in this card go against the undefeated uh, Julian Gun Justin Gonzalez, who's number who's 12 and 0. Now, Aaron Pico had you know for those of you who don't has a lot of hype had a lot of hype going into his career. I mean, his debut. I remember he was. Highly touted, Frey Rochers training him to the striking. He was Jackson. No, it wasn't Jackson Wink yet, yet. And he got off to a somewhat rough start. Now, Bell 20 messed up by putting him with a bunch of guys who has way more experience than him that he should have not been fighting. You know, it kind of hurt his confidence. But since, um, but he's pulled off, I believe, four in a row after the loss to, I believe, Corrales it was. And Aaron Pico looks like the guy that we all expected him to be. I believe all his victories are finishes, too. Aaron Pico is, you know, a guy who's 25, 26, yeah, 25 years old, so he's still young, and he's, yeah, all his victories are finishes, basically, and it's, all his fights, he either gets finished, or he finishes everyone else, so Aaron Pico's always an exciting fighter to watch, I mean, he's, I mean, if you're Bellator, your dream matchup, what, what you want is him and Adrian McKee, that's the dream matchup, two homegrown guys fighting each other for the LA title, Two guys who have a lot of, you know, name behind them, a lot that people pay attention to. And for me, that's a fight I like to see. But obviously, he's got to get by Justin Gonzalez, who ain't no slouch. The guy's 12-0. This guy, 
this, this is probably gonna be the fight I'm looking forward to most in that Bellator card that I think you should probably watch out for. I think this could be the most competitive fight, personally. And yes, yeah, that's, that's yeah. So I really want to give that a shout out because. And it's always is if if it's headlining it, it's always fun watching Chris Cyborg fight because that woman is violent and loves throwing her hands. So. I'm going to be in tune to watch that. Is there any other fights on that card that, you know, I should be uh, on the lookout for? Well, yeah, I think probably the heavyweight co-main event between Tyron Fortune and Linton uh, Vesso because Tyron Fortune is a pretty good fighter himself. He's 11-1, and I'm trying to remember who he's come up the victory over. I, I thought I wrote it down. My apologies, folks. He's coming off. Oh, Matt Mitchell. That's right. He, he beat Matt Mitchell in the minutes in 45 seconds. And he's, he's had two back-to-back um, TKO finishes. And and Tyron Fortune looks like a guy who's a pretty solid heavyweight in that division. That's someone to watch out for who maybe might be fighting for a world title down the road. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. But yeah, um, but yeah that, definitely it's going to be, you know, hopefully a pretty good Bellator car because Cyborg, when she she's violent, like Dan said, and when she fights... Well, he brings violence and usually finishes most girls. I mean, unless you have one tough woman to be to survive cyborg, and then also, uh, you know, Tyro Fortune, the guy to watch out for, a nice, good heavyweight prospect. You know, who's in his ring number five, so I wouldn't call him a prospect, but still, you get know what I mean. And Aaron Pico and Justin Gonzalez could be a fight tonight, and Aaron, especially if Aaron Pico is definitely a guy who could be a future world champion. If he gets by Justin Gonzalez, I mean, he's my man opinion, one or two fights, more like more like one fight away from probably fighting for the world title. Like I said, if you're Bellator, him and McKee is the, the, the fight you want to see. Damn. Okay. So, um, shoot, I, I'm going to check out that card, you know, when I can. I know it's happening tomorrow. What time is it tomorrow? Tomorrow at um, 9 o'clock on Showtime. Oh, that's perfect. I'll be home. The Knicks game will probably be over with by then or on the conclusion. I'll be able to watch the card. And also the Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez cards start at 4 p.m. Saturday, not 7, 4 p.m. Okay. All right, so Saturday, 4 p.m., I'll be able to get off work right there. Perfect. I'll be able to watch the uh, watch that card. So, I, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's an event-filled weekend. Same thing going down. You know what it is over here on the uh, Bronx Sports Jedi Network. We're watching all the sports we want to. As Maria said in the chat, we're watching the Knicks. I know baseball season ain't uh, uh, ain't upon us right now, but when it does come back, we are watching those Yankees. They are going to make their playoff run. They're going to come back and win the World Series and, and you know, get that, you know, get, get some shiny gold around there, uh, you know, around that place again. Uh, but until yeah, it's gonna happen, Austin. It's gonna happen. Right. Trust and believe it's gonna happen. But um, yeah, like that's I think that's the end of the show from both of us right there. Um, the last thing I want to say before uh Austin sends us out, you can always listen to us on pod on the on these pod, uh, podcast platforms, Anchor FM, Spotify, Podbean, Reason FM, and Buzzsprout.com. 
always check us out on there. If you're at work and you want to hear that MMA talk, you want to hear about the event that just happened because, you know, your, your friend probably at work, they told you they watch MMA, but they didn't watch uh, Chandler versus Gagey. So now you really got no one to really talk that violence with. You got us to talk that violence with because this is a, that was a beautiful thing. You got to talk to someone about that and let that out. Like, we're your, ther- we're your MMA therapist. That's what we're here for. And so, you know, when you're at work and you just want to hear that MMA talk and you don't want to kill your battery, go on these podcast platforms. Go on Anchor FM, Spotify, Podbean Reason FM, or uh, Buzzsprout.com and check us out right there. Type in the Bronx Sports Jedi Network. That's BX Sports Jedi Network. And also check out the merch in the merch store. One last thing I had like in the works. I got. Uh, I had a conversation with Big Sex, Sexy Billy Swanson, the okay. professional fighter who uh, who spoke to us. He told me what he has in the works. It's something big. I don't want to reveal it yet without his permission. But when I can, I want to let you guys know because you guys have to be the first ones on it. And I want to support him in everything he does because he was one of the first ever. He was the first fighter to come on this show and support us. So I just want to send the support back. So just be on the lookout for something big, sexy Billy Swanson has on the way, especially if you're in the Chattanooga area. Uh, area. Definitely. If you're in Chattanooga area, pay attention to him. And shout out to big, sexy Billy Swanson. Hopefully he's doing well. And I don't know. I can't to hear what the big announcement is myself personally. And definitely. And also, also do want to mention, um, Barry Noko is having an event as well tomorrow. And Pro Gonzalez taking on um, Bryn, Bryn Hart. Pro Gonzalez, if you know, friend of the show, and shout out to Pro Gonzalez. Good luck to your fight, and both Ren Hart. Do you want me to mention that? A quick shout out. And um, yeah, but big, um, big, you know, Billy Swanson. Interesting to see what he has, and shout out to him, and shout out to everybody watching us tonight. You know, or watching us live, or even um, afterwards after the fact. Thank you guys for watching us. Thank you guys for tuning in with us. We really appreciate you, me, Dan, and Kevin, of course. My dad, Kevin, of course, and. Um, with that being said, um, look forward to Saturday night, you know, for Friday and Saturday for fights, and and hopefully they, they should deliver, and we'll be entertained. And with next week we'll talk about man, that was, that was good, those were good fights, and we'll see for now. Either way, have a good night. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>